Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Speaking of Green. This is Beth Bond. As you can tell, we've got new music at the opening. I decided for Season 7 we would switch it up a bit. So I hope you enjoyed our DJ Lang and Drops of H2O as our new opening music. Today we are going to interview someone who's not necessarily a sustainability expert, but has been a great deal sort of talking about sustainability in Atlanta. So we're going to welcome Mark Pendergrass who was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, the fourth of seven children in a family that valued civil rights, the environment, sailing, reading, and games of chase and charades. He earned a B.A. in English literature from Harvard, taught high school and elementary school, then went back to Simmons College for a master's in library science and worked as an academic librarian, all the while writing freelance articles for newspapers and magazines. In 1991, he began writing books full-time, which allows him to follow his rather eclectic interests. Pendergrass books have been published in 15 languages. For God, Country, and Coca-Cola was named a notable book of the year by the New York Times, and Discover Magazine chose Mirror, Mirror as one of the top science books of the year. Pendergrass has given speeches to professional groups, business associations, and college audience in the U.S., Canada, U.K., and Germany, and he has been featured on many, many of the most top television shows that we would all uh, recognize today's show, CBS This Morning, CNN. He's been over, interviewed over on 100 pro- radio programs, including All Things Considered, Marketplace, and many other public radio shows. He lives in Closter, Vermont, and City on the Verge is Pendergrass' third book related to the city of Atlanta, following God, For God, Country, and Coca-Cola, a, a History of the Soft Drink, and Inside the Outbreaks, A History of Epidemic Intelligence Service of the CDC. Welcome, Mark. Hi, thanks for having me, Beth. Well, I feel like I'm in good hands this morning because you've 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 had so much experience with radio shows. So, um, welcome to the show. Sure. And let's just start off because clearly you're an Atlanta native and have a great love for the city, even though you're now in Vermont, which I'm sure is much cooler than it is here in Atlanta today. But I just I, this topic that you chose today, the city on the verge. What drew you to re, to write this book? Because this isn't sort of anything that people would think that someone would write about Atlanta without sort of a deep knowledge of it? Well, I do have a deep knowledge of it, but I don't live in Atlanta anymore. You know, in a way, this was a roots project for me, Beth, because I I grew up in the Buckhead area over near Westminster, uh, sort of at the corner of West Paces Ferry and Nancy Creek Road, where my mother still lives. And I visit frequently, um, but the the epilogue of the book is about my maid when I grew up, uh, my black maid named Willie Mae Pusley, who was, <clears throat> like many people in my generation, she was a second mother to me, and I loved her and uh, deeply, and she loved me. But I never knew anything about where she lived or anything about her life. And I deeply regret that. So in a way, this book was allowing me to get to know my native city for the first time. I went 
I used the belt line as the narrative uh, hook, the narrative loop, so to speak, that I, I wrote about. But it allowed me to uh, get to know all of the neighborhoods around the Beltline, which is a very representative sampling in Atlanta, and to talk about issues of transportation, race, sustainability, um, all kinds of uh, public health issues uh, are in there. And as, as you mentioned, I, I wrote a book called Inside the Outbreaks, which was about the CDC. So public health is, is a very dear subject to me. Well, and I, let me let me clarify. I didn't mean to, a deep knowledge in regards to the city of Atlanta. Of course, um, you've expressed um, in, in your your writings and everything that it's just with this sort of sustainability slant. And um, you've done an excellent job of. I know a fair about. I know a fair amount about sustainability. Let me say, I wrote another book called uh, Japan's Tipping Point, which is all about sustainability. I went to Japan about two months after the Fukushima meltdown uh, and wrote about uh, alternative uh, energy uh, pursuits that they should and, and should not be pursuing. So I, I do know and have paid a lot of attention to these issues. Super. Well, that's great. Then I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to have you here because this is what we are all about is sustainability. So, um, and you've done a great job in the book, um, in particular, capturing some of the high points of, of the sustainability activity that's happening here in Atlanta. You interviewed everybody's favorite, Dennis Creech, and you talk about Trees Atlanta and the Beltline, of course. But tell us, I, I love the sentimentality that this is something that you're dedicating to your maid because I am a Southerner. Um, and grew up with um, the exact same experience in regards to the maid that we all loved dearly um, but really had no idea about what was happening. And one of the things that I think that you've done so clearly and so excellently is you've drawn um, a clear line about the, even, even today, about the disparity of the areas in Atlanta. So can you tell us a little bit about how you developed that and, and and what were some of your shocking takeaways in regards to that? Yes. I mean, there are food deserts in Atlanta, which is astonishing and should not be the case, particularly, you know, I mean, as you know, uh, northern Atlanta in general is, is whiter and wealthier, and southern Atlanta is in general poorer and blacker. And I explored a website called Oasis uh, that uh, – delineates different public health issues, and there's a section in the book on page 147 called Health Inequities. Let me just read you a little bit of this. The infant sure. mortality data for Fulton County is equally revealing. In 2014, for every 1,000 live births, 4.4 white babies died, while 13.8 black infants perished. In other words, if you were born to African-American parents in that county, almost certainly meaning in the southern part, you were more than three times as likely to die at birth as a white child. And I have a lot of data such as that. Um, a lot of it, you know, the, the asthma rate is much higher there because the apartments don't have air filters uh, a lot of the time. So it, I just go through a, a, a lot of issues. I, I talked about um, the attitude towards bicycles in Atlanta, thank goodness, is changing. But uh, 
you know, there's some hideous quotes I have from people saying all these pesky bicyclists, why don't they just get out of the way of us automobiles? Um, same thing about solar power, which was basically, it was illegal, as you know, until relatively recently to lease solar panels, which meant you had to buy them outright. And thank goodness that's changed, but it's still, they don't have uh, enough to, to promote uh, solar power in, in Georgia. Uh, so, so on and on. There's, a, there's an incredible map that I found that Georgia Tech put out called the uh, Socioeconomic Conditions Index. And it shows, as I was mentioning before the show, there's, there's a, a line between the white uh, high-income area to the north and the poorest area runs in sort of a diagonal uh, line through the center of the city, uh, not far away at all, just cheek by jowl. And you can sort of see this if you're driving south on Northside uh, Drive. Uh, you cross I-75, and boom, you're in a different world very quickly. Uh, so I'm hoping that the Beltline will – it provides a good way for people to be more sustainable in their lifestyles, to ride their bikes, to get out, to meet people, to walk, to uh, jog, et cetera. And it's connecting to uh, this wonderful path trails that, that – uh, uh, they're building, but the the main thing I'm hoping it's going to do is to connect these areas together and, and knit Atlanta together in, in a way that has never been done before in a sustainable well, way. And, and that is, you know, that actually has had quite a bit of controversy um, as the Beltline has developed and, and people, it, it is phenomenal and has been named the number one transportation um, project in the country by um, the urban planner folks. <clears throat> um, that has been, once again, a challenge, though, is how do we deal with the disparity and how do we deal with the intermingling? And most people who know, who are, um, including Ryan Gravel, who is the actual person who was the, the planner who de designed the project for his master's program, left the Beltline board because they felt like the diversity was not happening and what was happening was is we're just pushing out folks um, just to create a new sort of clickish place for people who can afford it to live. And, um, That's right. And Ryan, Ryan and I have had, we've, we've had long discussions about that, and I was able to get the fact that Ryan quit the Atlanta Beltline Partnership Board into the book and, and talked about it. And I talked about affordability issues a great deal in the book and made some suggestions, which I hope that maybe somebody will pay attention to. It's nice that Michael Hallecky, the head of uh, Park Pride, gave a copy of my book to uh, all of the mayoral candidates. And I've asked them to write blogs for my website, which is cityontheverge.com, which I hope people will look at because it's got a lot of material that's not in the book. Uh, you can listen to some of the interviews that I conducted, uh, which is, I think, much better than just reading them. Uh, at any rate, in terms of the Beltline driving people out, the West Side Trail is going to open uh, in September, and it's going to be very, very interesting and crucial to see what happens there and whether they put in place protections of the people who actually live there to keep them from being driven out. And some of them are already 
being driven out. So I think that in a really meaningful inclusionary zoning law is very important. Uh, protection for elderly people uh, and their property taxes is very important. And right now, Atlanta is addressing the issue of affordability in a variety of ways, which is good, but it's kind of a piecemeal approach, and it's a Band-Aid approach, I must say. So unless something drastic happens very, very quickly, and this is not just a Beltline issue, it's an issue for all over Atlanta. You know, Atlanta has about 500,000 people right now. Within the next 30 years, it's likely that that is going to triple triple. You're probably going to have about one and a half million people living within the city limits of Atlanta. And unless they plan it very well, and Ryan Gravel is uh, in charge of that planning process, along with Tim Keene, your uh, uh, planning commissioner, but unless they do it well and unless they really put in sustainability and affordability issues, it's going to be a disaster. Well, and I think that the sustainability, sometimes this is something that's been discussed greatly in sustainability circles in Atlanta, is 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 the disparity. Not only um, is there a lack of diversity in the conversation, <coughs> there is a lack of socioeconomic diversity. And of course, in the South, those things tend to go hand in hand, but. Not not really. You know, Atlanta also has some of the wealthiest um, African-American neighborhoods in the country. But, you know, having those conversations is still hard, and that makes me really sad. And I'm sure, as an Atlanta native, that makes you sad, too. Do you have any suggestions about how we put aside past hurts and harms and start having a progressive conversation about how to plan for a tripling of population? Well, I think you're beginning to have it now, and the Beltline is, is actually helping to have that conversation, and people are actually having it while they're walking on it. And as I said, Ryan is in charge of something called the Atlanta City Design Project, and they're getting input and having meetings all over the place. So I think that helps. Right now, I think, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, Atlanta has been for a long time a mecca for African Americans uh, to, to come who are quite wealthy, and but many of them live uh, not within the city itself, in, in the suburbs. I think now more it's a class divide than a race divide in many ways. Uh, but that certainly still involves a huge component of race. And I think that meetings where people can express, you know, I gave a speech at the Atlanta Beltline Partnership office on Crog Street, in the Stoveworks building, mm -hmm. and it did have a pretty diverse audience. And there was a guy named uh, Jimmy Hardy, who if you go to my website, you can listen to what he said, because I realized during the question and answer period, he got up and he just went on a rant, basically. He said, you know, the Beltline is going to drive out everybody who lives there, and it's too late. You can't do anything about it. And you can hear him say all this because I keep my little uh, tape recorder in my pocket, and I pulled it out and turned it on, and then I got his permission to put it there. So if you go to the website, cityontheverge.com, and you click on audio, look for Jimmy Hardy's uh, uh, talk there. Um, so I don't have any you know, great simple answers for you. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know the people you, you, that you meet. Um, 
and try to go to, you know, I went to a bunch of uh, black churches when I was doing the research for this book, and I was usually the only white parishioner there. The most racially segregated time in Atlanta is on Sunday morning. Change that. Go to go go visit different churches. Meet people. Talk to them. Anyway, that's and and you are absolutely right. (laughs) And being a good Southern United Methodist, I'm going to give you an amen on that because that is the most racially diverse. I mean, even though the United Methodist Church embraces diversity, and we have lots of wonderful United Methodist churches, there are very few. uh, My church is barely an, an exclusion, but. Um, but there are, you would go into the churches and you would you would never know, right? They're either completely all white um, or they're completely African American, and so the only time we sort in of general, intermingle they're, they're, is in the you know, I'm, Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a I church mean, it, called the a uh, Atlanta West Side. Yeah, it is a challenge. There's, I went to Atlanta West Side Presbyterian. Uh, I think that's what it's called over uh, in the West End. And they, you know, it was basically some very well-meaning uh, liberal white uh, folks who wanted to start a church there and make it more diverse, and it is. But it's still mostly white. <laughs> so right. it's just the way well, and, it, and it's the hard to hard break in all fairness, Yeah, sorry. The conversation in all fairness is, is it, um, is, and this is a very difficult conversation to have, but people, I mean, Malcolm X explored this uh, very clearly in his biography, that you know people have a tendency to want to stick and, and congregate with people that they you know are part of their community, whatever that community is defined for. So um, you know it's 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 it really is a challenge. Well, let's let's switch to some of the other things because um, you definitely you know highlighted some of our highlights. Um, but there's also some challenges, and you touched on it earlier. So let's talk about parks in Atlanta. Okay. Atlanta is severely underparked compared to most other cities. They have bought the old quarry, and they're filling it up over on the west side, and that's the most exciting new park that Atlanta is going to have. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm quite frustrated that they haven't done anything with it. They have huge acreage out there. The only thing they've done with it so far is they're going to fill it up with water, and they're not going to let anybody near it, at least as far as I can figure out. The original design by Alexander Garvin, the uh, city planner and landscape architect who designed this whole idea of the emerald necklace of the Beltline connecting parks all around Atlanta, and I told the dramatic story of how he saw this empty quarry uh, from the air in a helicopter and said, what is that? <laughs> and they, the city ended up buying it because uh, he put it on the back of his uh, 2004 uh, uh, document, the uh, Emerald Necklace. But his idea was, I thought this was hysterical, he wanted Coca-Cola to sponsor a dam across it to create a waterfall, which they could call Dasani Falls. Um, uh, which isn't going to happen. But he he envisioned uh, people sailing boats and kayaking and fishing and swimming in that reservoir, and there's no reason, in my opinion, why they could not. With some, you know, you'd need lifeguards and you'd need to protect people from jumping off the too high places and things like that. 
But I would like to see that park developed as a wonderful uh, recreational opportunity larger than Piedmont Park, uh, right there within the city limits, within a mile or less of, the, of where the Beltline will eventually go. But there are many new parks that they are developing, rather small ones so far, um, and I, I think it's uh, a, a wonderful project uh, to, to connect parks with the Beltline. And the Beltline itself is envisioned as a linear park, uh, and Trees Atlanta is, as you know, planting uh, a, a very long arboretum all along it. Um, so, you know, one of the good things about Atlanta that I love is that almost every time I come to visit, there's some kind of festival going on in a park somewhere. Uh, and people get outside and do meet each other and, and, and do enjoy it. And I think that the Beltline is going to make that uh, happen even more. Well, and so it's you, you're absolutely right. I mean, we are a festival city, especially in spring and fall. Everyone goes, well, we'll do a festival in fall or spring. I'm like, yeah, no, you'll never get anybody there because there's already so much happening. Um, and, and I do think that brings about great community but once again, you know, we are faced with the the same challenges we were talking about. That the 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 cultural diversity in a lot of these festivals is is still not there, and and I think that goes back to you know your maid. You know, I you know she lived probably less than ten miles away from you, but you never knew anything about her except her interaction with you in your own. That's exactly right. So, she lived seven and a half miles away from me. Yeah, and so. You know, I, I I really appreciate you writing this with the thoughtfulness and the perspective of you know how 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 we've changed, but how how much we still have to have to to grow in regards to that. So you you talked about um, um, some of the you know some of our top leaders in the sustainability community, but I'm just curious. If you found um, the, I know you, you've also addressed the water issue, which is 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 huge. Um, but I'm just curious if you found someone who was a secret nugget that maybe we don't know about. Well, you know, I think Bill Eisenhower deserves a lot more credit than he's gotten. Do you know who he is? I do not. Yeah. Bill Eisenhower is the one who for years was yelling and screaming and saying, you need to build detention ponds instead of spending, you know, millions of, of dollars burying your uh, excess water underground, uh, which isn't going to work very well and which is going to cost you huge amounts of money. And he was so annoying to the city uh, and was just considered a gadfly and a pain. So right. finally, uh, they have built this wonderful uh, detention pond, which is the center, as you know, of the what is now called the historic Fourth Ward Park, right near the Beltline and right near Pont City Market. And it's beautiful, and it has uh, provided a template for what they're now going to do uh, in, I can't remember the name of the park, the new one that just opened over on the west side. Uh, do, you, do you remember the name of it? It's named after, oh, God, it's the guy who wanted to build these huge statues to his ancestors. <laughs> oh, I can't remember oh the name yeah. Of it. Yeah, no, at, I'm blanking on it, too. At, at any rate, you know, a lot, a, a lot of the West Side floods 
and has had terrible problems with overflow from the combined uh, sewage and uh, fresh water. Uh, so uh, they are building more uh, detention ponds, and I think that that's a wonderful thing. So anyway, Bill Eisenhower uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. So this is a shout-out to him. You asked me who was an unrecognized leader. I think he is one. Well, and um, Michael Hallecky at the Park Pride Conference a couple of years ago had uh, an expert in from Ohio, I think it was uh, Cleveland, talking about how managing water underneath the ground has just been like one of the craziest things we've ever done as a society, and that how making these retention ponds and bioswales and things like that um, really help a city manage their water at much, much reduced expense. And of course that's one of the things you cover in the book about the crumbling infrastructure of the water system. Um now Atlanta's not any guiltier than anybody else. We just happen to have a particular uh uh troubling um challenge. But you know, every every politician pushes pushes down the road the things they don't want to solve or that cost too much or going to require too much public input, mm-hmm. you know, down the road. And of course we we did for, you know, 50 years, you know, beyond what we should have. For a very so, long time. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, so I thought I think of another person. The... Sure. Mm-hmm. I thought of another shout-out person, David Kaufman. David Kaufman wrote a book published in 2007 called Peachtree Creek, and it looks like this nice little coffee table book, but everybody in Atlanta should buy and own this book. It's called Peachtree Creek, a natural and unnatural history of Atlanta's watershed. And it's just amazing. This guy tried to canoe the the north and south fork of the Peachtree and, and Nancy Creek and, and Peachtree Creek and wrote about it and wrote about its history. And it's just really quite a, a remarkable book, I think. So, And the other person who needs a shout-out is Allison Whitten, who uh, was pushing the whole idea very similar to the Beltline for years and years and years uh, within the city uh, planning department. And uh, she really uh, deserves credit uh, for trying to do sustainability in parks and and all kinds of issues uh, for, for decades. Uh, and she does not live in Atlanta anymore. She lives up in the North Georgia mountains, I think, but uh, she deserves a lot of credit. Well, and I think this is wonderful that you you found these nuggets of people who were thinking about sustainability before it was some hip word that you know people adopted and 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 were fighting for these you know the the right ideas um, before before it was popular. Um, so I do think that the book provides a great lesson for other locations um, who may be a, a few years behind Atlanta in regards to managing, because, of course, you also touch on everyone's favorite topic, which is traffic, um, which is a really big challenge. And um, and so I just thank you for, for taking the time to write this book because I think it is really, really valuable for us, especially people who are civically minded and leaders, to, to really get a grasp about what's happening. And we are very grateful for you to um, have given us a copy. So the first person who emails me, Beth at southeastgreen.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter. We'll do it two ways, uh, which is at Beth S.E. Green. Um, if you will, the first person who contacts me will win the book. 
So um, we are out of time, and I feel like, Mark, we could talk for another hour. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time, and thank you so much for being a guest because it's um, really been valuable to get a sneak peek of all the great uh, deep research and uh, details you put in the book. And so um, I will highly recommend that people pick up this book so they can really get a better understanding. And I think the most important thing is, is although your heart and your your home was originally in Atlanta, you came in and in some regards is looking for, uh, as an outsider in to um, the sustainability uh, conversations that we're having in the city. It's, it's easy for us who are in the city and go to the same events all the time for us to forget um, about things outside our, our 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 site, and so I really appreciate you writing this um, to help us become better leaders in the sustainability community. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I do hope that my book helps to start a conversation. Um, I should mention there's a blog, a guest blog on this website. I keep mentioning about City on the Verge. So if anyone wishes to write 500 words on an issue that's burning to them, I want that uh, website to be a place to begin these conversations. And you can look and see there are some interesting blogs on there. Michael Hallecky has written one of them. Great. And um, I've got a blog post, actually, that I can send you So from someone else. That's great. Who's Thank you. Who sort of addressed the, the diversity issue. Um, it's, it's not me. It's, it's a, another leader here in Atlanta. So, well, Mark, thank you so much, and, and best of luck with the book is, as you move forward with it. And thank you for providing a place for people to sort of provide their input, too. I think that's wonderful. Okay. Thanks a lot. Great. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. So I really appreciate Mark's time. Um, it, it's so important for us to continue to have these conversations and then continue to have sort of a rehashing and a re-evaluation uh, of what's happening. And I sort of love it that um, Mark um, has done this this amazing job of, of talking to all the right people and recognizing some of our hidden leaders and putting it in a cohesive way where we can we can better understand it. I just I I think it's really great to have an insider slash outsider voice on this topic and so we really appreciate and clearly he has a deep love of the city with all the other books he's done. But he's he's just done a great job of covering all the, the issues that we struggle with. So we hope that um People will um, pick up the book and have a conversation and continue a dialogue on this. Um, I'm sorry, I drew a blank. We are um, very excited to be hosting, speaking of, you know, great leaders in Atlanta, a luncheon on August 17th. And um, we'll be hearing from our um, top folks from South Face and the city and the Ray which is part of the Racy Anderson Foundation and um, sustainability strategy uh, leaders. So we hope that you'll join us. You can get the information on the site. It's called Sustainability Conversations. It's right there on the calendar. We are also looking for sponsors. 
Um, but if you want to get a ticket and you want a discount, then we've got a really great, easy way for you to do that, and that is to become a member of the Green Business Directory. Um, our Green Business Directory continues to grow, and it's really an exciting opportunity. We've made it a very painless price point of $25. It's a one-time fee. You get up and you get on, and then you get discounts to the events that we host through Southeast Green. So I'm going to give you a little bit more information on how to get on the Business Directory, and then we'll close out. Did you know that one of the ways we like to support the sustainability community is by providing an opportunity for businesses of all sizes to be in our green business directory listing? You should get on it because we are getting thousands of visitors every year on all sizes of businesses, and it's very exciting for the folks who are listed on the green business directory. This is what you do to get on. You go to southeastgreen.com. On the second tab, there is the Green Business Directory listing. Click on that. There will be a drop-down menu, and you can join the Green Business Directory listing today. Not only will you be on the listing, but you will be sent out to over 10,000 accounts on our social media connections, and you'll also be listed in our next newsletter. So what are you waiting for? Join today. Okay, we are lining up guests for July and August, so we hope you will continue to listen to us um, at Speaking of Green. If you are listening via uh, podcast or on Stitcher, if you'll give us a little love, um, the more love we get, the higher we get. Um, I hope that people think that these conversations are really valuable and help um, move forward the conversation of sustainability and the best way to to get uh, more people to listen is to give us a little love. Wouldn't hurt to do a little social media love, too. So, once again, we really appreciate Mark's time. We really, really value our listeners. And so we hope you've enjoyed this conversation, and we'll check you out on the next episode of Speaking of Green. We are signing out once again with DJ Lang Drops of H2O.